Let us pray. Holy Spirit, continue breathing new life in us. Continue writing the words of Scripture on the tablets of our heart. Continue forming us after your likeness. Continue strangely warming our hearts with the good news of Jesus Christ every day. And Holy Spirit, now lead us as we seriously consider Holy Scripture. And I pray, Lord, that you take the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, and make them wholly yours, that together we might actively listen and critically think so that we can grow in the same radical love that we've received. All these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome back, friends, to the fifth sermon in our series, The Good and Beautiful Life. The good and beautiful life that Jesus desires for us comes from following Him. And this Lenten season, we are reframing our understanding of discipleship from follower of Jesus to apprentice of the Master. And as we learn to do this, we do so by learning to carry our crosses along with Jesus. Now, the goal of apprenticeship is this, a vibrant faith. Jesus said, if anyone desires to be my disciple, they must reject themselves, carry a cross unto death, and go along with me. As a cross-carrying apprentice of Jesus Christ, we believe that the kingdom of God is now. That Jesus is here teaching and helping and guiding us as we go along with him. And as we go along with Jesus today, I would like for you to begin considering this word, dominion. Now, dominion is like the word control and yet more specific. The word dominion means to have a ruling control. The right to govern or rule or determine. In the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible, we read, and this is in the King's English, y'all, so hang on. And God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over every living creature that moveth upon the earth. See, God has given us more than control. God has given us dominion, the right to govern and rule and determine in part what we do with his creation. And have you ever stopped to think how humanity is exercising our dominion? We domesticated horses, then created automobiles. We invented airplanes and then launched ourselves into space. We conceptualized robots in science fiction novels and comic books. And now we use robots to help perform surgery. But how about dominion over the smaller things? Like brushing our teeth. Or changing diapers. Do I say something funny here or not? No, I won't. <laughs> but can I just say, thank God for whoever created the disposable diaper. 
Man, that was a win. If it wasn't a win for you, it sure was for us. And the toothbrush, let's just be straight up about that, right? I mean, they really ought to call it teeth brush, you know, because it's for more than one, but never mind. Or things like the Swiss Army pocket knife, or cans, or can openers, or ooh, ooh, ooh. How about this? How about aircraft carriers? Those right there are all right. Not to mention all the highly sophisticated computers and cyberspace. What about our handheld devices? From driving the cars that we've made with our hands to brushing our teeth and changing a diaper and launching aircraft off of a sailing uh, the high seas, we have dominion over a great many things. God has given us dominion. And with it, we've accomplished marvelous things. Yet for all of our mastery of land and sea and air and even cyberspace, we struggle to have dominion over the one of the smallest parts of the body, the tongue. The apprentice James writes, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by humanity, but no person can seem to tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison, he writes. Everything from the domestication of animals and the planting and the harvesting of the crops to the technology we create and utilize every day, it all falls within God's divine imperative for humans to have dominion. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but typically we're at the top of the food chain. Just check me out at a buffet. We're typically at the top of the food chain and all because we have the intellect to think and to create through the force of our words that put into action not only our best laid plans, but also our worst ones. God has given us dominion and with it we rule. But what rules us? The tongue. The apprentice James offers this analogy. He says, when you put bits in the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take a ship, for example. Huge, large ship driven by the winds and power, but they're steered by just a small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. The images of horses and ships, bridles and rudders, they show how such small things as the tongue are the real instruments of control over large things. The analogy is simple yet powerful, friends. The tongue directs the body from desire to movement of the body and then to fulfillment of the deed. The tongue controls it all. And James, he continues building his case for the dominion of the tongue with the metaphor of consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. He says the tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of a person's life on fire. And he says it's self set on fire by hell. 
James switches powerfully here from saying one thing is like to the other to one thing is the other. The tongue is a fire. And with it, we can destroy. Think about it. The tongue is the starting point for all of the world's greatest evils. Consider how much evil was perpetrated by this man in the picture, Adolf Hitler. The boasts of the tongue inspire multitudes to do harm, especially the words of false teachers and tyrannical leaders like this guy. Thus, whether we are inside the church or outside the church, the wickedness present in our world is an immense blaze set by the little fire of the tongue. The apprentice James teaches that the untamed tongue is prone to a host of things. He said the untamed tongue is prone to anger, for a person's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. He says the tongue is prone to self-deception. If anyone considers himself religious yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. An untamed tongue is prone to offending others, but you've insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? He goes on, the untamed tongue is prone to quarreling. He said, you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And this is interesting because remember, he's writing to his own congregation. He says, with your untamed tongue, you're bragging and boasting. He says, as it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. And then he talks about swearing above all brothers and sisters. Do not swear, not by heaven or earth or anything else. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no or you'll be condemned. The apprentice James has had it with his brothers and sisters. And the words of the apprentice James sound very much like words from the master. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Now, friends, at the heart of Jesus' words is personal integrity. Are we using our words in a way that is trustworthy? Are we honest with ourselves and others when we lie, when we gossip, when we slander, and when we do all of that within the confines of this building and out in the church parking lot? Do we repent for the words that come out of our mouths, or do we deceive ourselves into thinking that we're justified in harming others? You see, we live in a world where the tongue is untamed, it's allowed to run amok, starting wars. Ruining lives. And I believe if the internet had been back, uh, around back then, they might have added fingers to this. We do a great deal of damage with our fingertips, don't we? They often run them up on social media, in text messaging, and, and for those that are Gen X and older, perhaps in emails. Again, these are words. Words find their origin in speaking, the tongue. For most people in the world, the tongue rules the body and that rules the soul. But apprentices of Jesus Christ are called to be different than the world. That's the point that the apprentice James is making. 
Apprenticeship speaking tames the tongue. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, he says, and with it we curse people. We curse people who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. Beloved, this shouldn't be. See, when we accept the master's invitation to apprenticeship, we agree to start learning a new way of living by carrying our cross along with Jesus. This new way of living offers us the gift of a vibrant faith, which is a good and beautiful life in the kingdom of God now, not just in heaven. Right now, we can have a good and beautiful life with God right now. And if you'll recall from previous sermons, when we practice apprenticeship listening, we practice quick listening, slow speaking, and that helps us control our anger instead of our anger controlling us. And when we practice apprenticeship loving, we practice seeing all people as neighbors instead of sinners. And this helps us to deconstruct discrimination as we learn to love others as Jesus loves. When we practice apprenticeship speaking, we claim dominion over our tongue. Or you could bite it. We tame it from doing harm. We use it to do good. The apprentice Reuben Job reminds us of John Wesley's general rules for Methodists when he coins three simple rules. Do no harm. Do good. Stay in love with God. Have you ever heard these before? If you have, raise your hand. Three simple rules. Oh, well, now I know I'm going to do something on that. (laughs) Reuben Job is a bishop. I think he's retired now. He wrote a little book back in 2007 called Three Simple Rules. This is what we Methodists say we believe. This is one of the bedrocks of Methodism. Did you know this? First, do no harm. Second, do good. Third, stay in love with God. I think we often excel at three and two, but one we're terrible at. Terrible in the East Tennessee dialect. Do no harm, do good, stay in love with God. When we claim dominion over our tongue and we keep ourselves from saying something harmful, we follow our first rule as Methodists, do no harm. Apprenticeship speaking tames the tongue. And taming the tongue helps us to minimize doing harm with it. But apprenticeship speaking is about more than just not doing harm. Apprenticeship speaking is also about using our words for good. And in this world, brothers and sisters, people need to be hearing good things come from the mouths of others. One of the ways that we can do that is honoring others' emotions. You see, apprenticeship speaking honors others' emotions. The apprentice Paul writes one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Y'all ought to remember part of this one. It's a good one. Bless those who persecute, bless and do not curse. But here's the part I really want you to remember. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. 
In other words, and I know you all know somebody that does this to you every time. I just know you do. If people are celebrating something, don't try to bring it down. You know somebody does that? Like everybody's having a great time. They're all celebrating. I don't know. It's celebrating a birthday party, celebrating, celebrating Pastor Randy being gone or something like that. You're celebrating the sermon being over. Everybody's celebrating, right? Now one person's like, well, my dog died. If people are celebrating something, don't try to bring it down because you're jealous or you're not feeling celebratory. Paul says, honor them by celebrating with them. Likewise, if people are in mourning or people are struggling with something, don't try to shift the subject to something good about you. Because it's not about you. Kingdom God is not about you. So we just simply honor others by being present. If they're mourning, we warn with them. If they're celebrating, we celebrate with them. But what do you do? What do you do when, as a pastor, part of your congregation is mourning the outcome of an event and the other part of your congregation is celebrating the same outcome? What do you do then? Take, for example, the outcome of the 2016 presidential election. People in my congregation were celebrating and people in my congregation were mourning and I was the pastor to both. What did I do? I quoted this passage and called it a day. You see, Scripture gave me the appropriate response as an apprentice. And I was able to honor everyone's emotions and keep my opinion to myself because it just doesn't really matter. And why would I do that? And I'm going to say it now before we get into the next election cycle nonsense, which has already started to begin a little bit. Why would I do that? Because carrying the cross along with Jesus is more important to me than any election. And the kingdom of God is more important to me than any election. Ain't no president ever going to save your soul. Only Jesus does that. You see, the good and the beautiful life doesn't happen at the expense of others. It happens with others. It happens when we offer life-giving words to one another. Apprenticeship speaking, it tames the tongue. Apprenticeship speaking, it honors others' emotions. And lastly, apprenticeship speaking offers wonderful words of life. Jesus, our Master, taught Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What our master taught, he also lived. For the master spoke words of life even from the cross, especially from the cross, as he was dying from persecution. The master said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now here, I want you to... Teachable moment in the Greek. Oh my gosh, we're on 20 minutes almost, so I'm going to be fast. Teachable moment in the Greek. The word forgive, it means to let go from one's power, possession. The word forgive means to let go free. 
To forgive someone of sin is not to disregard sin. It doesn't mean to pretend sin doesn't exist. Jesus wasn't pretending sin didn't exist on the cross because he was becoming sin on the cross. Instead, Jesus was speaking wonderful words of life. Daddy, take me and let them go free. Daddy, forgive those who have tortured and crucified me. Daddy, forgive the crowd who insults and mocks me. Daddy, forgive the religious leaders who know better, but are so scared to change the broken system that they'd rather kill me than do the right thing. Daddy, forgive them. They don't know how to love. Jesus could have said anything from the cross. But he chose to pray words of life. And Jesus' prayer was not just for those people long ago. The Master's wonderful words of life are to be applied personally and in the present for every apprentice. When I apply Jesus' words from the cross to my life, I read, Daddy, forgive Randy. Forgive Randy for all the times he did not tame his tongue. They were numerous. Forgive Randy for all the times that he did not honor others' emotions. When he didn't speak up for the marginalized. When he didn't speak wonderful words of life. Thanks be to God for the wonderful words of life. Who is the word of life? Jesus. Because Jesus reminds me that I'm forgiven, not just of past offenses, but present and future offenses. Thanks be to God for the crosses we carry, the hymns that we sing, the words that we read, the prayers that we offer, the life that we share together as apprentices, because they are all from our master, Jesus. And if you didn't know this, brothers and sisters, Jesus delights in you. Thanks be to God for a community of apprentices that surround me because we are sharing life together and that includes our mistakes. Thanks be to God who offers us a community where we can choose. We can choose to speak differently than the world. Where we can, in the words of Ephesians, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music in our hearts to the Lord. We can have a vibrant faith by simply singing Jesus' wonderful words of life to each other. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Apprenticeship speaking tames the tongue. It honors other people's emotions. And it offers wonderful words of life from the master. And it is in his name this sermon is offered. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us pray.